The year was 1990 and the state was Florida. Disney had cemented its appeal with a younger audience, but was struggling to find attractions for older, money-carrying guests. Luckily, Disney doesn't miss a thing, as they formed a partnership with America's greatest rock and roll band to save the park from financial Armageddon. This week on Slice of Disney, Rock and Roller Coaster, starring Aerosmith. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I'm your co-host, Will Lentz, occasional Disney goer and late for my show across town. Someone get me there. <laughs> How will you get there in time? It's I don't know. If it's not COVID, there's going to be six <laughs> hours of traffic. <laughs> Oh, which is probably one of my favorite parts about this ride, but that's, we'll get into it. Oh, that's by far my favorite part about this ride. After moving to LA and then coming back and riding it, you're like, wait a second. this <laughs> is, It takes a lot. The, these ri- highways don't connect. There's no way you could get across. Oh, well, it's all in the name of Aerosmith. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith, a very, very exciting roller coaster. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, this is another one that's in Disney World, and uh, I have not had a chance to go on it. And womp, even if I womp. had a chance, don't know if I would, because it looks very scary. No! You'd have to do <laughs> it sure. at least it once. Fun. It looks very fun. Um, I did ride the, uh, as, as tradition, I rode the YouTube version of it. And also, as tradition, roller coasters don't hold up super well on that, especially when it's dark. <laughs> but that said, it looks like a super fun ride. I'm excited to learn more about it. It's awesome. It's Really, Disney's most true-to-form roller coaster. This is one of those rides that could compete with Six Flags. Okay, that's On fair. The, like a baby scale, but still. Sure. Well, I think it's also fun because it is still true to like Disney form. There is there's interesting things about it. There's like a story behind it. There's interesting ways that it was developed, um, and it's it goes beyond just the thrill aspect of the ride, which is something right. that I enjoy. It's interesting in researching. I got, to, you know, I was looking through all these pictures of them building the roller coaster, and it looks so roller coastery while it's outside before they built the show building around it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then when you see it in its full form, knowing that it's just in a building, it's like, what? How do- Disney putting roller coasters in buildings is like so fascinating to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I guess in other places you don't see them there because you want to see the. Because you want the ride to kind of sell itself as you're kind of walking around and be like, oh, look, that looks so exciting. I should jump on it. But here it's like, mm, you got to go inside to see this building or see yeah. the roller coaster. Yeah. It'll be thrilling once you get in. We promise. We promise. I think that this ride is definitely, you know, they got what they accomplished. But this is for an older crowd. One of the few that has the over-the-shoulder harness. Mm-hmm. So it's intense. Um, my parents don't ride it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it is one of the more like thrilling thrill rides of like kind of the Disney parks. In fact, it's a it's a launch roller coaster, right? Yeah. So it goes from zero to fifty seven miles per hour in two point eight seconds, which is very fast. Um, in fact, I looked up uh, just for fun 
um, what some of the top luxury car speeds are um, and how quickly they get there. And none of them break under three seconds. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, the closest, I think, is... Well, the, the closest off the list that I saw. I'm sure there's some out there that like are, are actually like racing cars or whatever. But the Cadillac CTSV does 0 to 60 in just over 3.5 seconds, which I thought was appropriate because the ride vehicle is also a Cadillac. It is. Or at least designed after one. It's a super, super stretch limo. So I guess that that's all you needed to go really fast is be (laughs) super, super stretch limo. (laughs) Right. And no traffic. And yeah, no traffic here in Los Angeles. So in the 70s and 80s, one of the biggest problems that people had with Disney uh, were that there weren't a lot of big thrilling rides for older kids or adults. So in the 90s, the parks went through a lot of changes in terms of adding a lot more intense rides, including Will's favorite, Alien Encounter. Very scary. At least I'm told. I don't know. I didn't go on it. I was too scared. It, I, I swear, I saw kids leaving that crying. I did. I was one of those kids. I went on I, I may was have like seen super you. little. Probably not. Probably I say probably. <laughs> I was always I there. Was like, let's be real. <laughs> right, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but I was like, that I don't. That doesn't seem like an emotion I want to go through. No, thank you. <laughs> I I went on it like once. I was very very young, and then I was like, this is terrifying. And then it closed. Not like it wasn't open. Right. Most of my childhood. Um, sure. But yes, <laughs> back to the ride we're talking about. <laughs> A less scary ride, in my opinion. Um, So they were going through a lot of different changes. And the Walt Disney Company decided that they were going to make their third Walt Disney World Park. And that was called Disney MGM Studios. And that debuted in 1989. But the only ride in the entire park was the Great Movie Ride, which now is gone. What what was that ride? Like, uh, Like a log line? Interactive ride through the history of the movies. Okay. It was a great ride. Uh, We'll definitely do an episode on it. Mm -hmm. But now it is Mickey and Mickey's Runaway Railroad. Gotcha. So, but there was like, there was a push and you still see this in the parks, right? I think it's still there, right? The the general concept to bring show business, to make it, make show business a theme park, right? Basically. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what Hollywood Studios is there for. And that's. It's because they were. They decided to compete with their rival, oh, Universal Studios. There we go. I was always I was wondering why it was that they did that. That makes sense now, though. Yeah, Universal was doing really well in that aspect and definitely appealed to the older audiences. Mm-hmm. That's what Disney was attempting to do. Gotcha. So this is the one time I'll compliment Universal because they did it a lot better. <laughs> gotcha, and that's where we. But kinda... Will, guess guess who was in charge of this not great park? Was it uh, Michael Eisner? It was Michael Eisner. (laughs) For Michael Eisner, like, makes it. Of course, he did a couple good things, but I feel like so much bad happened under here. And I think it's so funny. It is very funny that it's like whenever there's a bad decision, it can almost always be traced back to him. Yeah. (laughs) So then it wasn't going very well, but they already knew literally a year after the park had opened, they were going to expand it. Which, it's like, why don't you just wait a year to open the theme park? I was talking about this the other night, and I think it's a trend that we've seen with Disney in general. Michael Eisner or not, they don't land the opening of things. Like, for instance, this is like just a a recent thing. Um, When they launched The Mandalorian, 
last year. They had no Baby Yoda merch, and they didn't have it for like four to five months. Cause yeah, they, but I, they said I that know, was on purpose. I know it's because they wanted to avoid spoilers, but I don't think that anyone wants to avoid spoilers enough to give up the like $5 million they would have made off of Baby Yoda in the holiday season. I'm so curious about that. Because you're right. And it's just like, yeah, that's like a good. A, that's a good point. I mean, but they say like very strongly that it was because they didn't want any spoiler alerts. Yeah, I, I, I get that, but I'm also just like uh, once again, that's a but, very convenient excuse after yeah. the fact. I don't think any boardroom is going to be like, oh well, you know, John Favreau has a creative desire for us not to make five million dollars. Okay, sure, <laughs> <laughs> like they're gonna make that money. That's what Disney's there for. But Disney does, does and right now during COVID, they're like, why didn't we do it? <laughs> right, exactly. we need that money. Oh, but John Favreau's happy, so okay. <laughs> Anyways, well. Back to our our roller coaster, um, but they'd already decided to do a expansion in 1990, a year after they'd opened the park, right? Uh, called Sunset Boulevard, which was going to show Hollywood in the 1940s. Very cool. Um, <laughs> and they knew that in this they were going to do a roller coaster that featured rock and roll. And next to it, they knew they were going to do the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. That's interesting because I think in like 1940s Hollywood, I don't immediately think rock and roll too, but I guess Twilight Zone was a little bit later too. So I don't know. The Twilight Zone more fits, I feel like. And then rock and roller coaster, it's like, I guess because it's at the end of Sunset Boulevard, they're like, now we're in the 60s and 70s, I guess. (laughs) Go, 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 go. (laughs) Go. (laughs) We've moved on. Fast forward time. You guys did it. And Uh, they built Tower of Terror, but then part of the problem was they didn't have any more money because Euro Disney was such a failure at the time. Oh, okay. When did Euro Disney, like, launch? 1992. And obviously, they have found their footing now, but at the time, it was not good. So they had to put this roller coaster that they knew they wanted to be rock and roll themed on hold. That's actually really interesting to me, right? So, like, that means that, again, this is just me, like... It feels like half the time, like you're you're super into the rides and stuff, and I'm kind of into the business decisions that they have going <laughs> on, which is like much more boring. But I don't care. Um, but like that means that like they had to be like, okay, well we project that Euro Disney is going to make this much money, and that's going to allow for us to fund the building of this rock and roll coast roller coaster that we want to put in the park here. And then like that one fell, so like the series of dominoes fell too. And it's like, well now we can't do this rock and roller coaster, so right? It's just interesting to me to think about how those projections affect each other. We're seeing a little of it now, too, with some of the rides they wanted to launch and what's at COVID and I guess all that, that sense, stuff. Right? I'm really curious to see what's going to happen in the future. But in the past, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> they they decided like they were still going forward with production, but they knew they had to wait right. for more money. Right. But they finally decided in 1998 that they were going to, the ride was going to be open in 1999. So construction had started and things were moving. And uh, this is about the point, typically, uh, in most of the uh, podcasts we record, where we find out that they made that decision and then 10 years later it finally opens. <laughs> I, well, let's see. Do they open on time? Find out after this break. I know, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> but one of the things that they thought about was, here we're doing the Sunset Strip. Mm-hmm. as we're doing this hollywood old glitz and glam but then they're like okay well sunset boulevard was really popular in the 60s and 70s uh to all these 
rock and roll bands, you know, a lot of like drinking and drugs, not very Disney, but whatever. True. The Viper Room. All <laughs> yeah, the Rainbow then, but... Bar, all that stuff. Um, it was very, very popular. So they decided to go with that that vibe. And so they first approached the Rolling Stones to be the band featured on the roller coaster. And they were interested, but they were going to ask for $10 million a year for their likeness. Which is a lot of money, especially annually. Yeah. So Disney was like, cool, never mind. Disney was like, <laughs> did you not see Euro Disney? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you should be paying us $10 million a year for your likeness. <laughs> um, then they went to U2, and U2 was like, no, I have no interest in working with Disney. <laughs> I am happy for that. Me too. I don't too. know why. I'm not a big U2 guy. I don't I don't mind you two. You know, I like some of their songs, but I also don't want a Bono themed roller coaster. Yeah, I just feel like it seemed cheesy. I mean, not that Aerosmith doesn't, but like But the cheese of Aerosmith works. Like Yeah, it's yeah, cuz they I don't know. They yeah. They play it. It seems like it. a more authentic thing whereas yeah. like you two feels like they think they're cool and it's like, "Come on, Bono, you're not." Steven Tyler's vibe is a vibe itself. Like there's yeah. that's just too, like I love that. Where Bono, I'm like, "I don't really know what you're about sometimes." Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> so you two and then Disney approached Kiss. They, again, had some interest, but they couldn't agree on money. Supposedly, they were asking for even more than the Rolling Stones. Mm. Which, no offense, but I think out of all of them, the Rolling Stones can ask for the most. I would think so, too. But I do think that Kiss's look is iconic. Like from a branding perspective, I think that Kiss... Like, I, I agree. Rolling Stones should be the highest ask there. But, I mean, Kiss, they only really have their, their brand. Yeah, like, they're, their look, they're, right? as we're talking about brands, I mean, Kiss is one of the most iconic rock band. Right. Like, like you yeah, know exactly you, what they look like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so then they're deciding, you know what? We're just going to pick... We're not going to have this about one band. We're just going to pick music from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. There's not going to be a host, but it's going to be great. I mean, who doesn't want to ride a roller coaster listening to music? That's, I mean, that's It's honestly the, one of the most fun things ever. It's the biggest appeal of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah, Tower totally. At this point, right? It's like you get to listen to fun music in your, while you're on a thrill ride. So, you know, it, Not going to lie, works. that's my favorite part of the ride. <laughs> sure. No, I agree. They continue with construction, which I feel like this is a little backwards for Disney because usually it's like the creative and then the tech comes, mm -hmm. where this was a little bit of the opposite. The tech came first. But then at the time, they were working on a movie, a very iconic, glorious movie for Touchstone Films called Armageddon. And they had hired Aerosmith to write the iconic song for the movie. I don't want to miss a thing. Do you have a tear? Are you crying I'm, already? I'm, I might be. I might be. That is a <laughs> uh, is one of my favorite movies. It's so good. At least for the first like two thirds of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the important parts. Like the first, like when they're on Earth, it's an amazing movie. When they get in space, it's solid for parts of it. And other parts, it's like, all right, well, I get it. <laughs> it's bad up there. <laughs> but man, do I love that movie? And it I is. I love that scene, and you get. Ben Affleck and you have Liv Tyler and like the antelope on the savannah and he's got a little uh, animal cracker and he's playing around on her stomach and then you hear her dad sing a song about their love and it's like very uncomfortable if you think about it but you don't think about it and you just enjoy it and it's the best. Well I didn't think about it until you just said that the fact that it obviously I know like that Liv Tyler's in it but 
that it's her yeah. dad singing. Yeah, woo. Yeah, mm. it's mm. kind of uncomfortable, but also it's like whatever. It's great. It's They're so saving great. the world. And I feel like Armageddon, as we were talking about, like the vibe of Steven Tyler, it kind of is the same where it's like it's great yeah. and it's, it's such like a, a Michael blast. Bay vibe. Like, okay it's not yeah. well whoa whoa well that's i mean michael baited armageddon <laughs> i know but i feel like now we can't like i don't want to insult aerosmith and say it's a michael bay vibe <laughs> that's fair that's fair <laughs> aerosmith. michael bay piggybacked off of the aerosmith vibe yeah and then he ran with a, a where that's a whole other podcast you know what sure, I mean? sure, sure. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and luckily this was a huge hit so disney's like we're gonna go hard in the paint yes aerosmith want to be the like band for our ride and they're like uh yeah that sounds amazing i would yeah. love to have my own roller coaster and they cost like a tenth of what the rolling stones were asking right which then i would assume is a million dollars per year but who knows what the actual price was and honestly like um i feel like aerosmith suits this the whole concept better than like the rolling stones or kiss or u2 just because i do feel like that those ones are so like having them sign on to it you're like this is a serious rock band that has a legacy that is like the one of the most important people in rock and roll. And so they're stamped on this ride. So this has to be like one of the best roller coasters ever too. And Aerosmith is like, we're fun. It's rock and roll. It's cool, baby. And then it's like, this roller, <laughs> roller coaster is cool too. Like, that's it. It's I feel fun. like, yeah, there's a more chill, more fun and more genuine. Yes. Uh, and you can tell by what they did with it. So during the construction, the Aerosmith band, like they participated a lot in the be- in the creating of it. You know, they gave set pieces, some drums, guitars, music equipment for the pre-show. They helped arrange it and make it really look like what their studio would look like. They even um, they gave them more songs than anyone else was willing to. I think the Rolling Stones were only willing to give like six songs and like that's it. They were able to give more and also were willing to re-record some lyrics to go a little better with the ride itself. Um, their only like stipulation was they had to have one of their songs from their most recent failing album. Okay. That but, makes sense. Like, whatever. Sure. Uh, like they changed love in an elevator to love in a roller coaster. That's cool. Very fun. And I feel like that's why this ride works so well, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that kind of like enthusiasm. Like they had an enthusiasm for this idea as well. And so I think that you meet those two parties that have, that share this creative desire for it to do well. And uh, you get a better product than you would if you're just like licensing someone's image to put on it. I, I can see another band being like, oh, fine, whatever. Like, And then them just going through the motions where, again, these they were so involved that after helping so much with the ride... They went to the, they had a huge opening ceremony and the people who were lucky enough to get invited, awesome. There were supposed to be like really cool, you know, yummy meals. And there was like a special performance by a painter named Denny Dent. There was even a good performance by Aerosmith. Sure. And then as you would. weird if there wasn't. (laughs) Right. Instead, we're featuring this band. (laughs) The Rolling Stones agreed to open it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, and then Aerosmith even like rode the ride and would ride with guests. Apparently, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry rode the ride 12 times in a row at the wow. end of the night. <laughs> that sounds uh, intense, but also like what a rock star would do. Right? You know. And he still rides it. Like, 
he loves to check in on the ride and guests, you know, have posted tons of videos of like he waits in the line and he waits to ride the ride. And people I mean, like, how cool is that? That makes me like uh, Aerosmith and Steven Tyler that much more. I know. Like, I, I'm not like I, I rock and roll is cool. I like it. And I'm not a huge rock and roll guy. Um, but like this, like hearing that, I'm like, oh, they seem like they're cool. I know that. Now that you have long hair, I don't know. Maybe you have to start liking rock and roll. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, you know, we'll see. I'll keep you updated. I have to give a big shout out to my mom because she loves Steven Tyler and loves oh, Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So that gets us up to like opening day. And before we really get into describing what the queue is like and what the ride itself is like, I think it's important to talk a little bit about the technology that goes into, uh, into making this roller coaster. Uh, as you know, we are both uh, engineers and really good with the technical stuff. <laughs> uh, but actually, this I think that roller coaster technology is super cool. So LSM roller coasters are fairly common. Uh, the way that they all they work is with magnets. So you have the ride vehicle, and on the bottom at the launch location is going to be a pusher car. And pusher car. A pusher. The pusher car is going to be latched on to the ride vehicle and then is going to go through a series of magnets and it's going to hit the north and south poles in order to increase the velocity and have it accelerate as fast as possible until we get to the area of the ride that is now your trusting gravity and then it's going to then grab that pusher car and uh, you know keep it at the launch spot to bring it back to grab the next car okay so that makes sense i mean you know in layman's term i mean i had magnets as a kid uh and i would like try to press the north and the south against each other but you couldn't do it and they didn't like it <laughs> right and that's basically what this is it's a or north of... and south like each other south and south don't like each other north yeah you're right you're right uh, it's been a while since I've been a kid, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so you try to push those against each other and it doesn't work. And that this is just basically a series of those. And 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 that pusher car, I think, uh, from what I saw, like changes the polarity. So like it'll hit yes. like a south one, and it'll have south, and then as it hits a north one, it'll ha- it'll switch to north. And so that's how it gets that um, that speed going really quickly uh, from zero to fifty seven in two point four seven two point seven two point seven seconds. Yeah, this is in two point a- seven seconds. This is a very uh, cool and now very common way to launch roller coasters. I think the first one was at Cedar Point. I feel like we're going to learn a little bit more about that in the future. All Um, right. (laughs) But this is actually not the fastest ride at the park. The fastest you're going to go is that top speed of 57 miles per hour. Yeah. It gets you there and then it keeps you there. Yes. Um, And then you go through the track and, you know, that's, what how roller coasters work they mm-hmm. <laughs> they are built to keep you going um and then the fastest ride is actually going to be test track which goes 64.9 miles an hour which i've never been on but oh my I god i can't wait to, to talk about that yeah uh <laughs> then we're going to go through three different inversions two rollovers and one corkscrew on a very windy track um we also, you could say in the LA world, like we're going on the five and then the 10 and then get to go to the 101. Yeah. So that's one of the things <laughs> that I like about this. And we'll get into it as we talk the story. I like more. that we're going to, I brought this up in tech stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, but the, the theme is like you're, as you're flying through this dark, 
uh, warehouse on this on these tracks, you see like street signs. Yes. And, uh, we'll explain why in just a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. After this break, just kidding. <laughs> um, the other cool part about this is obviously we discussed it's a rock and roller coaster, so we have music and tunes. Yeah. So because of those tunes, you got to hear them somehow. Yes. And you can hear them with 125 speakers blasting in your ear and 24 subwoofers under your feet. Yeah. So it's pretty uh, pretty decked out for that. I mean, it makes sense. It's a, it's a music uh, it's a music themed ride. Yeah. Give me, give me that. Give me that rock and roll. And it obviously has to be super loud because you're on a roller coaster. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's true. There's a lot of noises it has to compete with. Yes. And cover up. And the track is 3,403 feet. That's a lot of feet to go in in, in just over a minute. <laughs> You're going 41.5 feet per second if you average it out. Wow, well. Yeah. Maybe you are <laughs> an, an imagineer. Piece of the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, I mean, there's some really cool technical aspects to this. It, again, is one of the only actual roller coasters it's the only one with inversions in disney world gotcha yeah um but that's all to say it is a legit roller coaster i mean i mean you know you can compare it to bigger ones but whatever but like if you there there's something there for you if you're a roller coaster person um, yes and you go and you can you'll enjoy it yes and if you're not a roller coaster person maybe check out the youtube video like a will yeah (laughs) We'll leave comments and talk to each other. We'll make our own club. It'll be fun. <laughs> um, um, should we get into the queue? Yeah, because I think that, I mean, yes, I think we should. Uh, a lot about what I think makes this ride stand out is the themes that they apply to it. Because as as we just talked through, a lot of the uh, technical side of stuff that then gets used in other rides or is kind of standard within the industry in certain ways. And so I think that what really kind of makes us a Disney ride is how they um, embrace the theme. And a lot of that, I think, can be found in the queue and, like, the setup for the actual ride itself. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So the whole idea is that you're going to a fictional record label called G-Force Records. So mm-hmm. cute. <laughs> so cute. Uh, the outside of the queue, just so you know, is just windy. And mm-hmm. they have fans, but it's often very hot. And you're kind of okay. just, like, in concrete. But once you're inside, it's super cool. You enter through this high, very high ceiling circular room that has all these fictional uh, G-Force record label artists, which is usually okay. something that as you walk through, it somehow knows your magic band is there. So your name will show up and everyone's like, hey, look, it's me. Oh, um, that's cool. And a mix of like Disney recording artists. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, why not? Does that, uh, have, I mean, I assume that they update that with like current popular yeah. artists. Yeah. There were some that were like really dated for a while. I don't remember yeah. what they were, but I feel like Hillary Duff was there for like a long time. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Still trying to make that happen. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you go through and you're seeing some equipment like that Aerosmith has used. And then there's going to be a couple different studios where if you kind of put your ear to the door, you can hear them rehearsing they're somehow in multiple studios at the same time yeah that that is something that's funny like some people say that if you listen closely you can hear aerosmith working but then other people are like it's just music yeah and then you are going to actually see aerosmith in a couple studios down so it would be weird if they were you know uh, breaking the rifts of space and time to be (laughs) rehearsing in a couple different places well then that's when we get there now we're here we're gonna go see aerosmith Mm mm-hmm 
So we go to Studio C, where Aerosmith is working on the instrumental part of Walk This Way with a sound engineer. Yeah, and so at this point, we are like, you're seeing a recording, like a a pre-recorded scene, right? Um, Like on a screen of Aerosmith. Right. They're not there. For people that haven't been on this ride, I want them to know. (laughs) I know, I'm just kidding. You're seeing seeing the actual Aerosmith uh, helping to set the stage for this ride. They in in front of this where the you see Aerosmith is like a full studio, a full blown studio with tons of equipment, and that's some of the and that's the equipment that we talked about earlier that Aerosmith donated some to Disney. Got their real stuff there, mm-hmm. uh, and then the band greets the guests, um, and then the manager walks in and is like, "You guys are gonna be late for the show." And the the manager's played by Ileana Douglas, wonderful actress. And Ileana Douglas? Yeah. She's an actress. Well, I know, but like, what's she in? She was in Six Feet Under. She was in Goodfellas. Uh, She was in Grace of My Heart. So she's she's got a whole big list. She's a great actress. Yeah. Um, Which I always, again, it's so cool to get like these real. (laughs) And she's then moonlighting as a uh, music manager. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, come on, guys, you're going to be late for the show. And then they like start to get ready to go. And then, um, and then Steven Tyler's like turns around. He's like, "Yo, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't leave our fans here." And she's like, "We can't. No, we love our fans." So that, and then she's like, "What do you expect me to do? Just send them all with you?" And Steven like pauses. He's like, "Wait, that's a great idea. How about some backstage passes?" And the band's like, "Yeah." And then she like calls to order a car and she's like, I'm going to need a super stretch, uh, a super, super stretch, uh, a really fast car. Okay, guys, looks like you're going to go to the show. Uh, the car will meet you back out in the alley. But there's a couple moments of this that are just like so great. One is when Steven Tyler pauses and is like, like, uh, wait, that's a great idea. He throws up the shocker. <laughs> okay. This was in the pre-show. Uh, if you don't know what that is, I am not going to explain it. Um, <laughs> it is an inappropriate gesture, right? And uh, so it was very popular back in that, like, kind of in that era, that nine late nineties era, because I remember that was when, like, I was graduating from high school, and a lot of the senior photos people were trying oh to God. sneak those into the yearbook. Wait, um, really? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> um, this was. I, I feel like I know it most from this ride. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but he throws it up. And then in 2016, enough people, and I think with social media, Disney like caught on that that was there. So they digitally took it out. And so now Steven Tyler's hand does not make that. But in honor of that, some writers, <laughs> never me, of course, me and my brothers never do this, uh, throw it up while you're like getting your picture taken on the ride. Sure. That's and then funny. they blur out your hand. Oh, that's like what they did in my high school yearbook. Really? Yeah. Like it's like the same. In, like, like colored in people's hands so they would blend it with the background ah! so you couldn't see it. That is so funny. Yeah. Oh, that's that, great. I I love that. I'm I miss that moment, but it, it's still very funny. Yeah. And then another thing is that Joe Perry always comes out and he would be like, "Hey, Chris, can you grab my less my black Les Paul?" And Apparently, for they used to always have like a cast member go and grab it from the the studio that you see in front of them, and then take it off stage like as if 
they were taking it. And apparently it really was Joe Perry's real sure. guitar. Yeah. Uh, but supposedly things started going missing from the set. So I mean, that makes sense. Isn't that a bummer? Yeah, but that also feels like a needless use of a cast member. Sorry. Like, like do we, do we really need to have someone that's assigned to take this off stage every single time? Like, unless that was part of the pre... It's not part of the pre-recording, right? It's like they have someone come in and grab it. Right. Yeah, that just feels like... I mean, come on, guys. Well, actually, when, as I'm talking about this... I feel like now it is a part two where like whoever is the cast member who's like working that room will scream mm-hmm. to uh, to Steven Tyler and be like, how about some backstage passes? And then Steven Tyler's like, I love that idea. Oh, gotcha. I think gotcha. I now need to go back and watch because it's but whatever. You end up with backstage passes to an Aerosmith show on the other side of town. As long as you can get there in time. Ah, but we're going to have to hurry. So the scene ends and we're going to hear walk this way. Uh, resume but this time with the vocals as we go back into this back alley i love this set okay this part of the queue it is so cool and it kind of smells dingy and i <laughs> i love that nice that's cool um walt would not approve but it, well it's for the like no for... i know but i just think he didn't want the rundown house of the haunted mansion mm. so but it's it's like musky inside the haunted mansion okay that's fair I love it. We found a way to bring in the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so we go, and it's a really cool alley. You're kind of like going through this little fenced area. You get on the ride. Boom. You ready? I think so. I don't I don't know if you would be. You'd be scared. I would be, for sure. <laughs> you get a countdown from Steven Tyler, right? Well, before that, you're going to have Bill St. James, who is an iconic DJ for LA's classic rock station. And he it's really him. And he begins with the like, well, folks, like and he starts like giving the traffic report. And he's talking about the fact that like the area surrounding the Aerosmith concert is like pretty crazy. Uh, and then you're going to feel the track kind of back up. And that's where uh, that's where the pusher car is going to grab on. Mm-hmm. And so you do feel that little moment. And then you're kind of waiting and you're waiting uh-huh. and you're feeling the buzz of the, of the coaster and you're like, Oh my God. And then all of a sudden you're, you're looking into a highway tunnel and there's a highway sign that's flashing like silly things like traffic bug you. They'd step on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> really corny jokes. Monsters ink quality jokes. If you ask me, mm, these might be a little better sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> And then all of a sudden, you're going to hear Steven Tyler, which I never realized it was actually Steven Tyler's voice, which makes this even cooler. Mm-hmm. And he goes like, three, two, one. I sound like a grandma probably, but he's like screaming like a cool rock and roller. And they're like, go. <laughs> and then like, um, so all these like lights are flashing and then it takes your photo. And that's when you can throw up, don't throw up, the inappropriate sign. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're do in the blur, roller. Do they blur your face too, or just no? The, it's just your hand. I kind of wish they blew your blurred your face as well. I feel like that would be the correct like punishment for it to try to discourage the behavior in the future. I think I'm gonna post on Instagram my photo. Oh, you definitely should. Yeah, that would be good. It's really fun. Um, so the general idea here is you're trying to get to the other side of town, and you're speeding through things, and you're starting to see these signs of like, here's the five highway, and here's this other thing that is like you know what we should make a ride out of uh traffic in los angeles 
So, uh, but it's well very, I mean, I don't know. I haven't very been on, unrealistic. Seems... You know, it's just so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're seeing signs for like Beverly Hills, and then you'll see the five, and you're like, Beverly Hills is nowhere near the five. Mm-hmm. Um, but before you know it, you're but, already in Long Beach. Yes. You even go through like the Randy's Donut. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I missed that. That's cool. There's tons, yeah, neon signs, very cool things. Now we're here. We come to a screeching halt, and there's a red carpet and lights, and we are at the VIP backstage area to go hang out with Aerosmith. In case you thought you were actually going to meet Aerosmith, no, um, you are entering a gift shop, but you had a blast getting there. (laughs) I think that's one of the things that I found the coolest that was most surprising to me was when you get to the end, you're like not like the ride's not really over like i mean it, it's over but like you're getting out and the th- the theme is continuing now you're at the red carpet you made it whereas I, I think i'm used to disney rides where it's like you just come back around to the loop and now you get out on the left side instead of getting in on the right side oh um, uh, yeah, yeah so yeah. like this was like a continuation of the or or, or a completion of your journey and i was like oh that's kind of i wasn't expecting that cool oh no they do it yeah it's a great job at the end like and you go like under some black lights. It is, you know, and then you do. You get out it's of very the red hard carpet. Rock hotel. Little things, even like on the vehicles themselves, where you would step into the car and it has like a little, uh, it, it has a little friction so that you don't like slip as you're entering on the lip of the car. You know, it has like a little guitar rock and roll symbol. I'm like, telling you, hard, little details. Hard rock hotel in I Las love Vegas. it. Yeah. <laughs> I love all the little details. You then see your ride screen videos, which of course you want to jump out and immediately look at your funny photos. This is a great photo ride. Now you're in the awesome gift shop. Yay, we did it. We made it. I want to go a little bit more about the ride vehicles because before we enter that gift shop. And I have to tell you a great story. Um, so each one of the five cars, you hear a different song. So we have, and they each, and you can know which songs you're going to be listening to based on their license plates. Little Easter egg. Yes. So we have one quick limo, <laughs> one QK limo. You're going to hear Nine Lives, which is the song from their not hit album. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And then there's You Go, Babe, which that's where you hear Love in an Elevator Roller Coaster mm-hmm. and Walk This Way. That seems like the one you would want. Uh, that is the one that I like to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have Bye, where you get to hear Young Lust, F-I-N-E, and Love in an Elevator, Roller Coaster. Mm-hmm. Hate Traffic, where you get to hear Back in the Saddle and Dude Looks Like a Lady. Too Fast for You, where you hear Sweet Emotion, as a, and it's a live version, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. If you had a vanity license plate, what would it say? Ugh, Grandma Driver. <laughs> No. <laughs> G-M-A-D-R-V-R. Like yeah. yeah. I, I agree to someone who has ridden in your car. Or has, <laughs> have you ridden in my car? And I'm a very defensive driver, but man, are you like, oh my God. I am. I'm, I'm such a like wimp in the car. Not on roller coasters, but in the car. Um, uh, one of the license plates, a fun quick little fact, is that it was until 2004, You Go Girl. But Disney decided that they wanted to make something a little less sexist, so they went with You Go Babe. And yeah, and when I read that, I was like, I don't know that that is less sexist. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if it is either. <laughs> I feel like You Go Girl is like, that's just kind of a, I don't know. I get because You Babe can be boy or 
you know, it could be right male. for sure for sure but or any you know i don't know for me it's no like gender. you go girl feels empowering whereas babe as a whole like feels a little um it feels a little dismissive so I, I don't know. I mean, and uh, maybe I'm wrong, but whatever. It it it, it just at least is a game. Like, huh, well, all right, but, whatever. Yeah, but Disney decided, hey, we're gonna do that little extra bit there. Uh, yeah. the uh, songs, they're trying. You they're know. trying. The songs are super fun, though. Yeah. And you do catch yourself singing along. Of course. They they go well with the roller coaster, uh, and then of course once you're in the gift shop, you got all the rock and roll goods. Like what? Well. You have shirts. <laughs> I was yeah. That's I was like, come on. You said that, and I don't think it meant anything. So, uh, like, well, there's shirts and there's all the coffee mugs. You know, all the rock and roll. <laughs> they have drumsticks, and so it is. A, it's okay. I gotcha. Like there's merch. Guitar picks and stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. merch you're only gonna find there. There's also a light up rock and roll wig. Okay. Now. I'm going to tell a story that is one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, and my brother disagrees with what it was about. But whatever. It is his story, but I'm right. He's wrong. Ha, ha, ha. So he was very, very little. And we had gotten off the ride. And we get there. And he wants this light up rock and roll wig. Yeah. And it was like 50 bucks. And my parents were like, no, you, John, you don't need this. And John is like pitching a fit. He says it was over the ride photo. I will give that disclaimer. It was over the wig for sure. And okay. he's like, really, really wants it. My family's like, no. And my dad's like, John, no, put it away. So we're leaving. And the way that you exit the gift shop is you're going to go through this little tunnel to get back out into the outside area. Yeah. And we're on this tunnel. And my brother, with all of the wrath he has, he's this tiny little pipsqueak of a thing. And he looks at my dad and he goes, you're a terrible father. That's amazing. That sounds adorable. And it was like the greatest moment ever. So much so that my dad's like fantasy football team name is Terrible Fathers. <laughs> and he has like a mug that says world's most terrible father. That's great. The kind of uh, loving family moments you can only get at you Disney know, parks. Exactly, unforgettable. So that is yeah. my that's my favorite memory that's, of that's Rock and Roller Coaster. I like, it. I like it. That's a good story. I thought. I think thank, thank you. you. I was, I, you know, sometimes with your stories, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be a good one or not. I feel like it's going to get to the end. You're going to be like, and it was great. Right? That was a good story, right? <laughs> <laughs> but this one, that was a good one. Oh, I'll give good. You, give you pluses for that. Um. There's obviously a lot of visuals um, within this ride. There's a lot of stuff coming at you, and there's a lot of stuff in the queue to to look at. I think I saw something. There's like over 900 records at some point. Yeah. Like, like in in the design, but I think there's also a handful of hidden Mickey's. So, yay! Why don't there you is. Let us know. So I'm just going to give you some of them. Um, the attraction's exterior. There is a pattern of a hidden Mickey on Steven Tyler's shirt on the poster of the attraction. Okay. And Joe Perry. Joe Perry's medallion on the poster of the attraction exterior is a hidden Mickey. Cool. So we start. So these like classic Mickeys? Yes. Yeah. And we're, we start real quick with the Mickeys. Um, sure. Then in the queue, you have two of the tile mosaics in the rotunda before you enter the recording studio near the marble floors. Mm-hmm. And there's apparently a small one in the exhibit on the recording history. Gotcha. Now, 
On the carpet of Studio C, now that we're in that recording room where we see Aerosmith, uh, is a pattern of Hidden Mickeys. There's also a small chalkboard on the bottom right corner of the sound room. And there's a Hidden Mickey there. On the ground, and this one's very obvious, um, is coils from the from like the microphones and stuff. Sure. There's uh, three coils of wire that have formed a hidden Mickey on the floor. Not and then, as hidden as some of the other ones. It, yeah, it's pretty big. It's more obvious Mickey. It is. It's more of an Avi Mickey. <laughs> Ew. Gross. <laughs> Uh, and then after leaving the pre-show, to the right, right before you exit, there's going to be one. Okay, gotcha. And apparently instead, uh, on the on the license plates, instead of having an expiration date, they all have Mickeys. Yay! Huh. Like you'll get pulled over for that. I know. Especially for going as fast as you're flying through, right? <laughs> I've been pulled over for that a couple times in LA. <gasps> really? Yeah, I was on the phone with you one time, I think, when it happened. Maybe not. Oh, I no, think I you was. were. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh man, I. God, it was no. like it was like a year and a half expired too. So. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Uh, right. Knock on wood. I'm a grandma driver, as we've established. So. Right. Well, I'm good at driving. I just I'm not good at paperwork. <laughs> that whole thing is about paperwork. So. That's true. Um, I've got a new segment. Oh okay. And we may not be able to do it for every uh, episode that we do, but uh, I'm gonna try to. And it's called uh, Disney on Yelp. Um, I found a three-star review. There's a couple one-star reviews that were all complaining about the uh, the line, um, and I felt like that's not particularly interesting. Um, there's a three-star review that I feel like I'm going to share with you guys. Oh, I'm so, so excited. It's from Corella D out of Ohio. Uh, she has 117 reviews. And Do you think that's photos. her real name? Probably not. Yeah, probably Corella DeVille is what she's going for. Probably not a real name, but maybe not. You know, I'm sorry, Corella, if you're listening to this, uh, reach out and we will uh, issue a correction. Let's first say that I'm not a morning person. Why on earth I got fast passes for this in the AM? I don't know. This is not a tame ride. It's fast, period. I had no idea which way it was going next, being in the dark. I try things like this from time to time to see if my 47-year-old self can handle it. Then I'm reminded yet again, no, I cannot. I had my eyes closed almost the entire time and prayed for it to be over basically the entire time. I'm sure it's great for thrill seekers, but for me, it goes directly in the never again category. Oh, man. See, that sounded more like a 10-star review. And there's a picture that she put on there, too, of her. Um, I'm assuming it's her. Uh, it's funny. Yeah, no. That's I, amazing. You know, any any Yelp review that has like kind of an existential crisis in it, like of am I too old to be doing this kind of stuff, <laughs> I am here for. I like that that's her personal journey. She's like, first of all, not a morning person. <laughs> I don't know why I signed up for this. Um, so uh, thank you, Corella, for that uh, three-star review. And hopefully maybe, maybe we can continue her journey in other episodes. We'll see. Yeah, maybe she's commented on other rides where she wrote them in the afternoon. Um, I just clicked on her page, and the most recent is an Outback Steakhouse review, which got two stars. So that feels appropriate. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Moving on, uh, we have our normal questions to get to. Um, so, where does, if you're going to write it, where does it fit in your day? This is again uh, based on Fast Pass. If mm -hmm. I have a Fast Pass for it, obviously that is a go to ride for a Fast Pass. The line does get very long. And for the outside of the line, it is very boring and hot. So yeah. once you get inside, very fun and cool. Outside, boo. 
even the one star reviews I read, most of them were like, the ride was fun, but the line was too long and the single rider actually took longer than the other one. So that does happen too with this yeah. ride that sometimes the single rider ends up taking longer and not just this one. Indiana Jones, I feel that as well. Yeah. Uh, but I would say if I have Fast Pass whenever, otherwise, I love it as a midday pick-me-up. It is. It's super exciting. Your adrenaline is going to get pumped up, and then you're ready for the second half of your day. If you've like been on your feet, here we go. Now I'm ready for the second half. So is this an every time you go kind of ride? Yes. It is. Definitely. Okay, that said, if you had to choose, I mean, there's only so many thrill rides you can go on uh, if you had to choose between Tower of Terror and uh, Rock and Roller Coaster. What would you pick? Ooh, Okay, then I would choose Tower of Terror. I mean, I would be shocked if you said no. Yes, so this would this would come under that, but still a hit if I can every time. Okay, makes sense. Um, so you're on your way out of the park. Ten minute wait. Don't do even have to finish the question, Will. Duh. I need to find a different version of this because you're always going to say yes. Um, no, I said no to like a couple. You said no to a couple. Uh, <laughs> And then finally, what would you change about this ride? Mm, maybe some more accurate LA knowledge. Um, I'm okay, sorry. Sure. They don't even like know the highways at all. <laughs> okay, that's fine. It gives people um, unrealistic expectations of what to expect when going to LA to see a concert across town. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood Bowl traffic, man. That stuff is miserable. I know. <laughs> I don't know what I would change. I think I don't want to upend things too much because sometimes I'm like, well, the thing I would change is I would make it a completely different ride. And I don't think that that's fair. Um, So instead, what I would say is I think that I would like it to uh, have a new car on it that uh, when you go on it, you're I don't want to miss a thing. And it's all Armageddon themed. And uh, <laughs> and maybe like they do the stuff that they do like with the uh, so I guess maybe it's not a new car. This is like a um, one of those things that they put up during the Christmas time or whatever. Right. And uh, and you see like the stuff that they do on Space Mountain where you see like the stars and you see the ghosts during the Halloween side of it. Like I just want I just want it to be an Armageddon ride is basically all I'm saying. Right. I yeah. could see that. I could see uh, that actually would be really cool. And I I think it would have to be a little because it's kind of a slow song. So right. maybe it's like the EDM remix. <laughs> Okay, sure. Of, of Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. I'm ready Never for mind, it. I hate it. <laughs> I'm ready for this. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Slice of Disney. Uh, I hope you had a rocking time. Yeah. No, Will liked my joke. Will yeah, liked my I joke. Liked it. I liked it. Okay, good. Uh, I was just telling you. I yeah. hope you had a rock and rolling time. Please. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, share with all of your friends. Um, If you have suggestions for future rides or you just want to engage with us, we love talking to fans. You can do that on our social media, um, Slice of Disney on Facebook and Instagram or Slice underscore of underscore Disney on Twitter. Uh, You can also email us at sliceofdisneypod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, like Kelly said, if you have uh, friends out there that like Disney, uh, share one of your favorite rides with them. We think that... uh, we're, we're really enjoying putting these out. And the more people that we have listening, the longer we can do it. So. Yay! We have some exciting things cooking. And we're really excited to share it with you. So thank you for coming on this Disney journey with us. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye!